Good morning. This is episode two of the Freedom Farming and Living Podcast. My name is Robin. I'm your host. Uh, today I want to go over uh, something I think is uh, it's always a helpful topic, uh, but giving everything that's going on with uh, feed prices, this, uh, this is a topic that's probably going to hit home a whole lot more now than uh, it, it has before. And that's related to inputs for livestock, uh, and this is inputs in, in the way of feed. Uh, specifically, uh, we, can, we can obviously talk about several different types of livestock um, right now, and, and is usually the case, chickens. People, people really go for chickens, that's, that's the go-to, uh, the gateway livestock as people will call it. So let's talk about chickens. Uh, I actually just saw, uh, my wife sent me yesterday, a screenshot of, uh, actually I take that back, she sent me, it was a little bit of a video. I screenshotted it and shared it to somebody else of a feed store. It's about 45 minutes from us, that's the closest one to us. And there was a line of people out to the road, in line, standing in line, because someone had brought two trailers of chickens. It was about 500 chickens, uh, 14 months old, for sale. Um, believe she said the price was. She thought she saw $12 a bird, uh, which is a pretty clear indicator. This was uh, some retired layers from a big commercial operation. They were at another location for sure too because they mentioned if they, did, if they didn't sell out there they would bring the ones they didn't sell to this location at a different date. So tons of people trying to get chickens. Given the price of eggs at the store, all the memes you see all online, it's a uh, pretty, pretty good driving factor. Uh, and obviously if you're raising chickens you know that the it's kind of a fallacy that you're going to go get some chickens and you're going to have just an abundance of eggs. They're going to be cheap. It's going to be cheaper than the grocery store. And, uh, the reality is that's not necessarily true. Um, it could be true if you do it right and you don't get too many chickens or you have a source of feed that doesn't cost you anything or cost you next to nothing. But to just say you're going to go buy bags of feed from the store and you're going to buy the chickens and you're just going to keep feeding them a, a bagged feed from the store you're you're not only not going to get cheaper than the grocery store you're probably going to be a little bit higher especially if you go organic so uh, unless you have a feed store right by you for us it's 45 minutes away you know for some people it may only be 15 20 minutes away but either way with prices of gas uh, your time and energy you're not even going to break even uh, but you are going to get something that you can't get at the grocery store in most cases, which is a much better egg. Uh, if you obviously if you coop them up and and they're not in a healthy environment, then it's not going to be any better than the store. But if you let them free range, if you pasture them, um, there's you know, lots you can do. If you supplement them with uh, different things besides just buying, oops, kind of hit the computer there. Just buying the, the bagged feed, um, if you supplement it, then yes, you're definitely going to be getting something that's better than the store, get something that you can't get at the store in most cases. Unless you go find a farmer who's raising them that way, you're not going to find them. So, given that as a backdrop that people are getting birds, we're, we're not 
quite into uh, buying chicks yet, but we're getting close. Uh, now's a good time to start hatching eggs out if you have them. So let's talk about uh, inputs regarding feed. Um, so I've seen this just researching. Uh, there's there's a couple of different places that you that you'll find if you start googling food scraps and chickens, um, and what you'll find is that there's a pretty solid consensus that one chicken per member of the household. Now maybe not infants, but if you've got some, say above 10 years old, 10, 12 years old, something like that. You know, certainly your teenagers, uh, all full-grown adults, and you know, probably anybody above the age of 10 would be counted as one person and then you could support one chicken per person uh, based on that. If you got a five and a six year old, let's just call that one person. So family of four, four chickens. Now, if you're not familiar, then you you'll might be a little shocked to find that you have four chickens, you're not necessarily going to get four eggs. Matter of fact, you probably won't get four eggs very often. Some days you will. Most days you'll probably get two or three. And eventually all you will get is about two per day. So if two eggs a day is not going to cut it for your family, um, then you probably need more chickens than that. If you want an egg a day then you, you and you got a family of four, you probably want to have about six to eight chickens. Um, I would say six would be a minimum. Now, if you only eat eggs three days a week, well, then maybe you could get by with four chickens. you got to kind of do the math, but just assume that it's going to be a two to three egg on a four chicken setup. Now, if you go over that four chickens, well, now your food scraps are not going to be enough to support them. So now you start getting into buying commercial feed from the store or get creative with some other avenues to provide them feed. Obviously free ranging or rotating them in some paddocks throughout your yard that will get you some free inputs, some grasshoppers, crickets, different bugs, a little bit of grass, uh, but not enough to completely support them. So you would either need to grow something for them, some type of fodder, maybe a worm bin, you can put the things in there that you're not going to uh, necessarily feed to them. Create some compost, which is good for gardening. If you got chickens, hopefully you got a garden. Uh, if you do have a garden, then that gives you a really great resource for feeding them. So, if you're growing, let's say, cabbages, broccoli, if you've already grown these plants, you'll know that you get your head of cabbage that's this big, but you get a plant that's much bigger. There's tons of leaves, the stalks, there's just a whole lot there, a lot of mass, a lot of fodder that can be fed to the animals, chickens, pigs, either one of those. Right now we're focusing on chickens. So even if you don't eat that much cabbage or broccoli or Brussels sprouts, or cauliflower. These are good plants. These are good vegetables to grow. I'd recommend you do eat them. Um, but you've got the plant there. 
that's going to provide a really good source of not free, uh, but a better than the grocery store, and it's not dried out sitting in a warehouse, getting trucked up and down the highway. It's right there in your backyard, or your front yard, or your side yard. So look there first. Look to your garden first. If you're not going to grow year-round, maybe grow some type of fodder, some type of cover crop that doesn't really require you to babysit it. Something you're not really concerned if some of the insects get in there and get it. And then that gives you another fodder. You can also look at uh, sprouts or microgreens. We love microgreens for ourselves. We love sprouts for ourselves. Um, if we don't quite get to them in time or don't eat them all before um, it's time to get rid of them, then they go straight to the chickens. Uh, we have ducks and geese and turkeys too, so they go, they go to them as well. But uh, they go to our poultry. Now, this is going to take care of a lot of your energy needs. You will have some protein taken care of through these different things. I mean, there's a lot of protein in some of the microgreens and sprouts. Um, there are some systems out there for sprouting, but you can do a very simple DIY, buy a bag of sunflower seeds, and sprout them. And, you know, you would sprout them each day. And it takes three, four days of sprouting them to get a final product that you'd want to feed to your chickens so that they would get the most nutrition out of those sprouts. They're going to get more out of that sprout than they will out of the sunflower if you just fed on the sunflower. Now they're going to eat it, but they're going to get more out of a sprouted sunflower seed than they will just a sunflower seed. So that's certainly one way where you can look at something you're buying, you can stretch it. Um, so it's not exactly no input, but it's an input that you're stretching it further than it would go. And the same would be true of bag feed. You could soak that and ferment it for a few days. It's going to stretch it a little further. So, yeah, you may be paying $25 for a bag of feed, but if you can stretch it out and, and maybe gain one and a half to two times the nutritional value out of that bag, then it's more like you paid like $17 or, or $12.50, you know, depending on how much you can actually stretch out of that. So again, it's not no input, and it's not exactly low, low input, but you are lowering your input if you can stretch that feed out. And certainly, these feeds are designed to be a complete balanced feed, but if you take that feed and you stretch it by maybe diluting the use because you use half of what you normally would use, you add some food scraps to the mix, maybe you sprout some sunflower seeds, you soak the grain that you're buying, that chicken feed grain, move them around in the yard, get them some natural bugs and grass and things, maybe you have a worm bin, then all of a sudden instead of buying maybe one bag of feed for a week or one bag of feed for every two weeks, maybe you're able to stretch it out and you buy one bag of feed for the month. And you do all these other things at your location, in your backyard, in your house, you know, spare room. And then you've taken your inputs from being, maybe it was going to be $100 a month in feed to $25 a month in feed. Now those eggs are starting to look a lot more appetizing on not just the nutritional level, but also on an economic level. Now, 
there's a couple in Ohio that I, they're not on, they don't have a big social media presence. Um, you're not going to find them online except if you go to uh, onecowrevolution.wordpress. They do have a, a blog there. And their name is uh, Sean and Beth Dowdery, or Dordery, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, they're up in Ohio, and they they did exactly what I did, except they did it a long time ago, which was they started with animals to control their where their food's coming from. They know what they're putting into their bodies. Uh, that's the same thing that my wife and I did here. We went out, we bought some chicks, and then we started buying bags of feed. And they've I've seen them at conferences, they've told their story. And they came to the realization that I too came to, which was we are spending a lot of time driving to the store and buying feed, just bag after bag after bag of feed. And it makes you question how is it that people raised chickens before there was a feed store that was providing this feed? Chickens have been around for a very long time feed stores not nearly as long so what they did is they made it their mission to figure out how to go to as low of input as possible on their farm that's something that we're working on and we were working on that when we discovered them at a conference and we have been following uh, their journey that they have basically figured it out I mean by and large for the most part they have got it worked out to a pretty good system and so this year we're focused on moving into that same kind of system so um, what they would tell you is don't get chickens if you're gonna get into livestock and start growing your own food the first animal you want to get is not a chicken it's a cow hence the name of their blog one cow revolution now that is only gonna make sense for but so many people Obviously, if you're in an urban setting, if you're in a subdivision in a HOA or something like that, you're already struggling to get chickens, probably, uh, certainly within the city limits of some places. Um, maybe you can get nine chickens and no rooster. You know, there's all these different problems. And, and having the land size for it. So everybody having a cow is not necessarily going to be the best fit. But if you can't get a cow or you can't get a goat, we actually started with goats and uh, we have a cow as well now, but maybe you know somebody that has one. Maybe there's a way that you can get access to some local fresh raw milk. If you can't, it's not the end of the world, but if you can, then this is for you. What they came up with, what they figured out through experimentation of, of trying it out, uh, on their farm, and they've been doing this for a few decades now, is one gallon of milk provides enough protein for one pig, this would be a large feeder pig, or 50 to 100 laying chickens. So, obviously if you have a milk cow, you've got plenty of milk. You've got more milk than you could probably have chickens for, where a pig comes in handy. Um, if you were to get a cow, you almost certainly need to have a pig to deal with all the extra milk. But if you had, like we have, Nigerian dwarf goats are very small. They don't produce very much milk at all. 
Um, I mean, they produce a decent amount, but it's not something where we are just overflowing with gallons and gallons of milk like someone with a cow would be facing. So, we actually can produce enough milk for ourselves to drink, and which we don't drink that much milk. Uh, we use it in our coffee, we make goat cheese. Uh, my wife uses the majority of it in her soap business. Um, she makes goat milk soap, bath bombs, bath fizzies, several other different bath products, um, some with goat milk, some without, uh, some different bath salts and things of that nature. So that's where our excess is really going uh, from our goat side of things. The cow gives us the, the ability to take the extra cow milk and after butter has been made and everything else. But again, if you don't have a goat milk soap business and you don't go through an enormous amount of milk, you can stockpile a decent amount of goat's milk every day. And if you're talking about a backyard miniature flock to just to provide you and a couple members of your household with eggs, if you can couple maybe a one little miniature goat, the little bit of milk you get from that goat each day that's left after you've used what you needed from it would provide the protein. At that point, that bag of feed is basically no longer needed because, again, if we're talking about doubling up what you might need, you want four eggs a day, so you get eight chickens, where you're well under that 50 to 100 chicken range. So maybe a cup of milk is about all that you would need to give them, to give them their protein. That, combined with all the other things that went over, now if you get some sunflowers, we'll give you some, or sunflower seeds rather, sprouted especially, will give you some protein, but you're going to have to go buy those sunflower seeds. Now, they'll go a long ways if you sprout them, but if you said, I don't want to buy that, I don't want to buy feed, I don't want to buy sunflower seeds, and of course if you're looking for organic sunflower seeds, that's not necessarily the easiest thing to find. You have an easier time finding organic chicken feed than organic sunflower seeds, depending on what part of the country you're in. We can't find organic sunflower seeds here. If we want those, we have to order them and have them shipped in. Where we can go to Tractor Supply and pick up a bag of organic chicken feed, layer feed. So look at that as, a, as, an, as an option for someone who has the ability to have a dairy animal. Again, it could be a sheep, goat, cow, what have you. Going buying milk from someone might not necessarily be the best but again, if you have someone that's local to you and you'd want to support them rather than support whoever's making this particular chicken feed that's available to you, you know, this layer feed that's got that protein you need and got that calcium in it, then um, obviously much better to support your local farmer than to support everything that goes with the fact that what that takes to get that bag of feed to you. And if you start tracing it back from the field down the highway, to the mill, back down the highway, to the feed store, you're down the highway, picking it up, bringing it home. There's a whole lot going on as opposed to if you just went next door to your neighbor, right down the street to your neighbor who has milk available and feed the milk straight to your chickens. So if you have access to that milk, then that covers your protein. You do some creative things, grow some chicken fodder, Get your food scraps involved in it, 
like I said, maybe set up a little worm bin, gives you compost, great for your garden. And then obviously speaking of the garden, all the things you can get from the garden. Your annuals that you're going to grow for yourself or vegetables. Cover crop if you don't want to grow year-round. Lots of different options. You know, if it's something you don't need that many cabbages, but you got extra room, grow extra cabbages. Grow extra broccoli. Even if you give, find somebody that you can give the cabbages to or the broccoli to, and then feed the plant to the animals. I mean, you could feed the cabbage and the broccoli straight to the chickens, but boy, if you could just, you know, find a neighbor that you could give that to them or sell it. You know, you got all kinds of options there, but, but grow the food for your animals. It can be done. Um, even if you only do it part of the year, and maybe you just go, okay, look, it's wintertime, it's rough here, I'm a little further north than you are, so you, you're not, you don't know what I'm dealing with, with 20 degrees or negative 20 degrees. Maybe you only buy a layer feed then. And so maybe at that point of the year, yeah, you're feeding food scraps and you're supplementing with layer feed from the store. And so maybe that month you use twice as much or four times as much layer feed as you do every other month. Or maybe this is for three or four months out of the year, but the other eight months out of the year you're able to do all these other things. And so during those months you're bringing your inputs way down. And then a few months out of the year they're a little higher. But on average across the year much much lower much more efficient and it insulates you from price fluctuations and rising costs that we're most certainly going to be seeing in feed and fuel and then just in general for me like I said it's 45 minutes to the nearest feed store that's an hour and a half it's a lot of miles it's a lot of fuel it's wear and tear on my vehicle I'd much rather take the energy that hour and a half now again it's not every day but I'm also not going up there with a 40-foot trailer and loading up you know we have 40 chickens so we don't have enough food scraps we also don't want to buy nearly as much layer feed as it would require so uh, we we do everything we can to reduce that now there's one final area and this kind of relates to the, the garden slash fodder for your animals and this is something again give credit to Sean and Beth uh, Daughtery for that they grow two different plants two vegetables <clears throat> specifically it serves two purposes one is this human food two it's livestock food now the first one is one that they do eat on a regular basis themselves and their animals. It's the tromboncino squash. They get very big, like 10 pounds or, or larger. Very, very big squash. This isn't some little small yellow typical squash that you get in your garden that you're growing in the summer. These are very large squashes, big round, and they store very well. That's why they like growing them, because they can eat them, their animals can eat them, and they store well. Three very important qualities that they um, have outlined is what they're looking for in a fodder for their animals. The second one is a beet. It's a very large beet, same thing, 10, 15, 20 pounds in size per beet, and it's called a mango wurzel. And 
it also stores well. You could eat it. could be human food. It's kind of a starvation food. You, it's not something you necessarily want to eat every day uh, or, or even every week. Um, the squash is a little different. The, the beets, you know, that's certainly beets in general. Pretty acquired taste for, for most people. So the mango wurzel is like a, what I would say is a starvation food. If you if you had to eat it because you didn't have any other options, you very well no problem eating it. It's definitely human food. But they use it more for livestock fodder than for human food. But again, it's a good fallback. You know, if all the grocery stores go down, if all your other crops go down, you have that food there. It's there. It's available for you, and it's available for your animals. So those are two really good things to look at. Um, we didn't get to grow them this year, this past year, 2022, but this year, 2020, really, we are really, really focusing in on getting these uh, inputs put into our system, our own inputs, no more outsourcing. So things are going to, we're just going to have to roll with and see how it goes, but we want to we want to cut down our off-farm inputs as much as possible and, and get as much on-farm inputs as we can provide for ourselves. And who knows, maybe if things go really well in one area to where we have such an abundance that it's too much even for our livestock, then this is something that we can provide to some other people in our area. We don't have a whole lot of homesteaders here where we're at. It is a growing number, though. It is definitely growing. There's more and more people kind of the lights going off and saying, hey, I need to take control. And so people are doing it. Um, so it, it's certainly something, you know, share with your neighbors. If you if you got too much, you had an abundance or you grew more than you thought you needed, help your neighbor out. You know, show them that it works and teach them, pass it on. You know, that's the thing. This information is, is uh, it's not something that, that should be hoarded. It should be you know, given freely to other people so that we can take back control of our food systems. Not just take back control of our food system, but you know, in some cases establish for the first time a food system, or at least a local food system that hasn't existed for potentially decades. Um, where we live, we're in a very rural area, and we are surrounded by a ton of agricultural land, but it's commodity agricultural land. So it's corn and soybeans and cotton, and it is getting shipped out of here just as fast as it's harvested. So we're surrounded by farmland and can't eat any of it. Um, even if you could, you wouldn't want to because it's sprayed with so much stuff that it's more poison than medicine. And, and that's just something that we believe food is medicine um, it, or it's poison it can be it can be poison or it can be medicine depending on what you eat and where it was sourced from so uh, one final note that I want to include here uh, related to the Doherty's up there in Ohio they grow 90 to 95 percent of the food for themselves and for their livestock now, if you're just looking at getting into something, that may or may not really hit home. But if you're like us and you've been raising some animals for a while, and especially if you have a lot of animals, then that's that's a really powerful number. I mean, that's really powerful to say, 
I could cut my feed bill by 90 to 95%. Even if you could cut it in half. If I could cut my feed bill in half tomorrow, I would. Um, so, that's what we're working on. That's our goal for 2023, is to cut our feed bill via on-farm inputs. I'd encourage you to do the same. Again, if you're someone new, don't just jump straight out there and say, hey, I'm going to get some chickens and get some feed and and don't and, and just not think about anything else as an option. You have other options. You don't have to rely strictly on <coughs> excuse me. You don't strictly have to rely on that, that feed store bag. It's there. But I mean it's good to know it's there. It's good that you can, you know, rely on it. But look at some other things. Look into the trombocino squashes. Look into the mango wurzel beets. Look at sprouting. Um, there's all kinds of chicken fodder systems. If you don't want to DIY one yourself with some buckets and drilling holes in the bottom, you can buy one. Um, obviously, you can do it a whole lot cheaper if you do it yourself. Um, but there's all kinds of little chicken fodder systems out there that you can use in, in, indoors. You know, it's climate controlled, so you can do it year round because you're in your house. And uh, just harvest it and throw it out to your chickens. Do some sprouts for yourself and give the extra to the chickens. It's very nutritious. I mean, they are loaded with nutrition. Great on salads. I mean, you can even put them on sandwiches and put them in soups and things. I mean, there's there's a lot you can do. I mean, you can put them in tacos. I mean, you can do a whole lot with them. Just kind of expand your, your horizon with what you're eating and where you're getting your nutrition from. And that's going to help expand that for your animals. Now, this was all about chickens. Obviously, this really works with poultry in general, right? If you've got ducks, if you've got geese, guineas, turkeys, we have all those. We treat them like the chickens. Our ducks, we do give a... Uh, when they're when we're first raising them, we make sure that they get some brewer's yeast so that they get that extra niacin they need. Um, but aside from that, the, the poultry or the poultry, the waterfowl, the game birds—they're all the same. They're they're all going to get the things that we're growing: the sprouts, the microgreens, food scraps, milk. They get all of it, and that really is a way of helping us but we have to step our game up this year and start growing more stuff for them um, it's been nice to really see a, a cut in our feed bags but it's a small cut and now actually one thing that i did i did miss out on and wanted to point out and not everybody's going to be able to do this that's why it wasn't a real major theme um, but it's definitely something to look into if you've got a connection with a restaurant where you live, or, or possibly even the grocery store, um, they're going to be throwing away tons of food. Tons of food. Produce that just doesn't meet the cosmetic eye at the grocery store. They, if it's got some blemish on it or something, we're, they're not going to put it out. It's perfectly fine for animals. I mean... Most of the time, especially when it comes to chickens, 
it doesn't matter how wilted the leaf is, it's fine. They're going to eat it. And if, they, and if for some reason they don't eat it, it's just going to compost down to the ground. So, you can search them out. It's not easy, you know, when you, when you get into that. You really have to make it easy on them. Because they're not, they're not going to jump through hoops to set aside food for you. Uh, but if you can get some buckets with some lids, give it to the restaurant. Um, you know, again, if they're serving a lot of different things, they've got chicken things on their menu, it's going to make it a little more difficult. Um, probably one of the best things to kind of look at is if you have like a Mexican restaurant that's got tortilla chips and beans and rice, you know, that's not a, that's not a chicken thing, a, a concern for chickens, right? Uh, whereas, you know, if they're throwing chicken tacos leftovers in there, well, you don't want to feed that to your chickens because you don't want to feed your chickens chicken. So it can get a little complicated when you when you look at the restaurant side. But again, if you've got a good relationship with them, if it's if it's someone, you know, maybe you eat there pretty often or you know the, the manager or the owner and they'd be willing to work with you, certainly give that a shot. That's definitely not for everybody. It's probably definitely not for most people because it does add a layer of problems for them to try to keep track of. Grocery store might be a little easier, um, but you'll have to talk with them. Again, same kind of thing. You know, if it's don't go to the grocery store you're not shopping at because, I mean, go to where you're shopping at. If somebody else is already getting it or they don't want to work with you, then maybe go look at some of the other grocery stores that might be around where you might could source some of that. And, you know, finally, check with your neighbors. Um, probably one of the best things that we've had happen, and this wasn't our idea, we got it from somebody else, and I can't even remember who we saw that did it. Might have been somebody on Facebook, I don't remember. But we put it out that bring your pumpkins after Halloween and, you know, around Thanksgiving-ish, after Thanksgiving too, we had people bringing them too, but we had people after Halloween, we had people after Thanksgiving. You know, bring your pumpkins. Just put it out there on Facebook or, or whatever. If you have some type of community, local board or something, and make it easy for them too. You know, go put a designated spot, maybe a tub, a bucket. Well, a bucket's not really going to work unless there's some small ones, but, you know, designate an area. Something that's going to be easy, where they don't have to go out of their way to give them to you. you know, make it easy for them. They're giving it to you. They're driving to you. Drive to them. You can go do a pickup. And that is great. A, you're looking at a free resource. Obviously, one that's been painted. You don't want to get any of those. But not only are you looking at a free resource of, of food, fodder, um, it's compostable, too. So if you've got you know a worm bin, whatever the chickens don't eat, toss it in there. If you got a compost pile, I hope you do, toss it in there, whatever they don't eat. Pigs, they'll eat the whole thing. Uh, but chickens, you know, they'll peck through, get all the flesh out, and they'll pretty much kind of leave the rind. Uh, but that's all compostable. But, the other thing is, pumpkin is a natural dewormer. Look it up. There are lots of uh, information out there regarding using pumpkin instead of using dewormers. Now, course obviously if you've got a acute situation where an animal is on death's door because it it's, it's got full of worms well then yeah obviously you want to consider using a chemical dewormer but we try to uh, 
we try to get pumpkin to all our animals, uh, even our goats and our cow, because of that natural dewormer. And we don't feed them tons of pumpkins, but we get them a little bit. When we get the pumpkins, it primarily goes to the chickens and the pigs, but we do give a little bit to the other animals so that they can uptick some of that natural dewormer characteristics within the pumpkin. So that, uh, that'll wrap it up for low to no inputs for chickens. Try it out. If you're getting chickens, start looking at it on the front end. Uh, I really wish we would have. I wish we, I wish we'd have worked this out before we were pushing 50 chickens. Um, we could have, we could have saved a lot of money. Better now than, you know, better late than never. Um, but, but look into it. See what you can find. And remember that this is a the biggest, biggest, biggest takeaway that I would say is if you start with a handful of chickens and you're feeding food scraps, remember, unless you double your household and double your food scraps, you can't double your chicken flock and not see a pretty dramatic increase in what it's going to take to feed them besides what's coming off your kitchen table. That can't stress that enough. You know, we started with six little chicks from the feed store. And we really, I mean, we were given food scraps then. And it's just three of us here. So that went pretty far. But, boy, when we went to 12, and then 20, and then before we know we're at 30, and then we're buying lots of feed. They are going through feed like crazy. So, of course, now we're even higher than that. Um, it, it really can get expensive so be mindful of that and if you already have them get creative if you if you if you have the problem I have where you have so many get creative do some sprouts grow a chicken garden get some of those trombogino squashes and mango wurzels going uh, once we get them going I'm gonna I'll do a YouTube video on it and show uh, exactly what it looks like and how it's going um, because I, I think it's it's one thing to say, yeah, do this. It's another thing to see it in practice. Um, I actually uh, watched the daughters put out a mango wurzel for the chickens. You know, they just lay the whole the whole thing in there. And they just peck at it. It gives them something to do, too. If you have chickens, you'll know. They they scratch around. They peck around and everything. So that's going to give them, you know, they can work on it. You don't have to chop it up in little bitty pieces for it for them and, and feed it that way you can actually just put the whole thing in there uh, with the pigs maybe cutting up to a couple pieces so that it's a little more manageable especially if you have a couple but uh, really you could just give it to them whole too and let them work on it but get creative look for those ways to cut your feed bill make your eggs more nutritious make them you know, more organic and uh, make them cheaper Take that money and invest it into something else. So, thank you for your time. Really appreciate you listening. Uh, please keep following along. This is an early stages 
for the podcast, you can check our YouTube channel out. It's Laban V Farm. That's L A B O N N E V I E. Laban V Farm. If you don't know French, that means the good life. And that's what we're striving for here is to have a good life. A life uh, filled with freedom, farming, and good living. So until next time, God bless and grow some food.